You're listening to the Guildhall School Events Podcast, where today we're talking to cast and crew of Mephisto, our second drama production for the new autumn 2015 term. I'm pleased to welcome student designers Rory Beaton and Robbie Matthews, and cast members Emma Pates, Theo Boyce and Paul Gorostidi. Um, so Mephisto the novel was written by Klaus Mann and published in 1936 when he was in exile to uh, apparently avoid political persecution by Hitler's regime, which sounds quite um, foreboding. Um, uh, perhaps Emma, Theo, Paul, uh, one of you could tell us a little bit more about the play. Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, the play is based around actors and different companies of actors and different theatres. Um, it starts, it's a really historical play, so it happens from 1923 to 1933, and it starts um, in the early Weimar period and follows the choices of these different actors who represent a really diverse spectrum of political views, um, what they decide to do when the context of politics changes around them. So it was, it's a really exciting time, the Weimar period, because... It's a really permissive society, lots of freedom of expression. Very creative. Very, yeah, very creative. Like Sexually liberated. Very liberated. But there's also an undercurrent, um, which is much more authoritarian and much more fascist, which is coming through due to resentment from the war or whatever. And so... Yeah, it's just something growing, something really dark growing. And I think the play asked the question of uh, the responsibility of artists and mm-hmm. in this case actors um, that are confronted to this rise of, of darkness and something mm-hmm. really threatening coming and all those actors in the company have from have different political views and you can see how inside the theater this this threat creeps in and how they interact with each other mm-hmm. but mostly about the responsibility but what are you ready to sacrifice of yourself and of what you believe in to, to go to the top and to become the big star is it worth it or is there more important stuff to fight for as an actor as an artist mm. and, and, and what, what roles do you all play and how do you how do you interact because it's quite a, it's quite a large cast it's, it's most of the most 20, of the years, 20, 20 people yeah. mm. um, I play Erika Pockner uh, she is the daughter of Thomas Buckner and she's based on Erica Mann in real life, um, Klaus Mann's sister. And, uh, but in the play she's Erica Buckner and I don't know if I should say what my relationship with Theo's character is. I won't say. We have... We have, <laughs> have a relationship of is some it? sort at some yeah, point. It is a relationship. Um, uh, but I come from a very uh, bourgeois, uh, very, very upper crust German society. and But we're very left-wing, very outrageous. The eggs kind of, in very special ways. And it's an artist's family. Yeah, well. a very artistic family, German, bright, young things. and um, But eventually the outside world starts seeping in and that affects her and the choices she makes. Um, and the book was written before there was any certainty of war, mm-hmm. quite a long time before that. So how does it feel to be performing the play adaptation knowing what happened afterwards? Well, the, the play is dedicated to quite a lot of people, artists, mm-hmm. that are all went to exile or committed suicide or, or mm-hmm. were, were killed in the camps and the communists are just satirists or any kind of 
any type of people. So seeing that, of course, there's something like it, the stakes are higher. You want to honor that. But I mean, as actors, you can't really play what's going to happen. No, and so, there's still there's still hope, even right at the end of the of play. Of course, yeah. yeah. So for the characters, for the work on the characters doesn't really change anything. But of course, for us, it's very important yeah. to honor that and to do it like as truthfully yeah. and that, like with all the commitment possible because it's it's a very important. Story. Yeah, it feels like we we don't maybe because there's such a responsibility because it's based in history, a really horrible period of history, that we can't really afford to care about our, like how the agents watch our play and things like that, and because the play is really important to us already. It's, it's very much, it's not, I wouldn't call it though, like a World War II play or a Holocaust play or anything like that. It's very different. It happens through throughout Hitler's rise to power. Um... And it, it has more to do with that and sort of like the political and personal fragmentation that starts to happen because of that. So it, there isn't any mention of war no. in, in the play. And or the I, first war, but not... The, the first world war. Yeah. I don't think there was in the book. I don't think the threat of the war is really a reality. I mean, no. there's a lot there's of... There's other innocence. things that are threats. In, in 23, when the play starts, there's, there's a lot of innocence. Hitler is yeah. not really... He was no, no one really. He's a, He's a joke. Yeah. Is um, he has a maybe what two thousand people following mm. him? It's nothing. So yeah, it's full of innocence. Yeah, and it's more about resilience and and how do you keep dancing when? Yeah, and it's quite different from a lot of things you see about World War Two or even the rise um, of the Nazis because it takes it, it really happens in theaters and uh, and that makes. I don't know if it's a very different quality. And I think yeah. all the characters have really good reasons to believe what, yeah. what they believe. And they're all really human and no one is, have the f has the figure of the, the villain or the, or the, the threat. You know? I think all the characters are really, really alive and, and are fighting for, for, for good reason, or at least for what they think are good reasons. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, so it's set between, what, what year? 1923 and 33. 33. And I suppose um, in, in, the, uh, what, in the Western world, in the UK and America, you had the, the bright young things. That was that, their sort of late 20s, wasn't it? And then you had the Great Depression. So do, do you sort of, is that replicated in this play? Do you get that sense of like the party times yeah, followed definitely. by the... Or the yeah. mm. Especially well, with the household I come from, the, the Bruckners. Very much. And though the play is based mostly in Hamburg and, and is in Hamburg at the beginning, um, Berlin, and there's a lot of like Berlin influence, I think, in the play itself, was like a huge, sexy cabaret town. And there was like, there was so much going on and so much vitality, which I didn't realize at all until we started yeah. with the research for this play. It's funny, it's funny because it's really connected, actually, all the deprivation and the... And the inflation is really connected to their creativity. Yeah. It's, um, that's, it's because it's so bad. It's really difficult. Those, this period is so difficult that, therefore, people are just expressing themselves and really create in a very creative yeah, way. Yeah, and it's in this period that so many cabarets were flooding throughout Germany. They were just everywhere, and they were packed. Now, very patiently, on the other side of the table, uh, we've got student designers Rory Beeson and Robbie Matthews. Um, so we're going to bring you in now. And, and what I wanted to ask you, um, Rory, you're the lighting designer and, and Robbie, you're sound design. 
Um, can you, without spoiling anything too much, can you tell us sort of what you've come up with your, with your designs and how it's how you've managed to bring this world that we just heard about um, to life on stage? Uh, yeah, well, from a from a lighter point of view, it's it's very much about shaping the action that's going on on stage, um, and also sort of helping to create that atmosphere that um, you maybe don't know is coming. So at the start of the show, uh, it's, it's quite a warm feel to it. There's a lot of lightheartedness, and there are elements of, of darkness that creep through. Um, and as the show goes on, uh, the lighting gets very much colder throughout until you're, you're right at the end, where it's very, very stark and very white, and it's, it's, it's very, very obvious that the whole thing is taking a really dark turn. Um, and there are lots of things... Sort of throughout the, the history of it that, that crop up throughout the show. So, um, Albert Speer's Cathedral of Light uh, that was used at all the Nuremberg rallies. We have a sort of um, sort of nod to that uh, at one point, and it's, it's all little subtle things that, when when used all together in the process of the show, interacting with the set and and all the actors and, and anyone else and anything else, uh, all sort of help allude to to where the play is going and, and the sort of history of where it's set. So do you have to do a lot of research into lighting, I don't know, lighting around uh, 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 yeah. how, how things look, you know, lots of history books out and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, um, well there's, there's sort of, there's a few moments um, where we have things like trains going past and uh, there's a, a, a big difference uh, in the research between a train that was then and a train that was now and the little things that you maybe don't think of necessarily like was there one headlight was there two headlights and it's, it's lots of little things that you you maybe wouldn't notice uh, as an audience member but uh, sort of subconsciously it really helped to, to set it in its place but yeah no, there's a lot of a lot of research goes into it um, and a lot of effort has gone into whilst we see the sort of physicality of lights in the space because of the way that the set is designed, uh, we also have to try and hide certain bits of technology that really would, you know, ruin the, the period of the piece. You turn around and you've got a very expensive moving lights swinging in your face. It's not really uh, helping anybody sell the show. Yeah. Um, and Robbie, you're the uh, sound designer. Yeah. Um, what, what does a sound designer do? do you, you haven't written the music. So, no, um, uh, we got... So, for the music point, we got uh, Sam from Third Year, composer, and uh, he came and composed, uh, ripped the music, and then we kept, kept, went into the console, recorded it, and uh, so we've got f- six or f- five or six pieces of music that have been recorded. Or, so, we've got... Uh, there's a restaurant scene in which loaded, they, um, they have dancers, too, and... Um, a nightclub scene to which there's a subtle dance um, going on in the background whilst Hendrik and uh, Juliet are doing something in the dressing room. Can't imagine what. Getting dressed? Yeah. And to get to give like the audience that sort of um, feeling of it is. It's a difficult one because, again, you want to keep it realistic. I want to keep it very naturalistic in the sense that um, you, you you want to keep the audience in the sen- in the zone of them being in 1920s and early 30s. And so um, 
Yeah, and keeping it there is you have to, I had to do like, research and all of that to um, make sure that I didn't go off 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 the uh, timeline. So. And in, in terms of research that you do, what 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 sort of stuff were you looking at? So I so similar to Rory as such, but um, so looking up what sort of so the tra- train noise. So because there's obviously different trains back then, so it was all steam trains and um, and also in certain soundscapes, so you wouldn't have cars driving past or anything or there were very little planes which would be flying over, especially as it wasn't really wartime at that point. Um, so you have to be very careful that you don't bring in too much, too much technology as such. So you have to keep it very basic. So birds, um, perhaps the old church bell and wind in the trees, very simple stuff like that. Um, but also keeping it very subtle so that it's not overtaking the scene. So it's not just it's only something that's happening in your mind to keep you in the outside atmosphere or inside atmosphere or wherever you are so um, yeah. yeah and uh, you've also both been working well all of you have <laughs> been working very closely with Wynn who um, who's a director Wynn Jones and um, I was just wondering what that what is that like is he, is he Wynn's been nice to work with yeah Wynn's been really really helpful <laughs> as it's like my first ever show because um, I'm still in second year and it's my, uh, well I've just started second year and it's my first ever show and big responsibility big responsibility yeah and uh and he's really been very, very helpful, being very patient with me, which I felt was really, really helpful. Yeah, he's also got a very clear uh, vision of, of the sort of aesthetic of the piece. So, um, when um, Susanna, the, the, the scenic designer, uh, and myself all sat down very, very early on, uh, long before rehearsals had started, and, and sort of collaborated on the sort of visual looks that we wanted to achieve um, throughout the show. And it's, it's great because he's got such a clear idea but not not blinkered. So if you if you throw an idea out there, yeah, he'll definitely listen yeah, to the idea. Yeah. Either use it, don't use it, or you shape it into something that that maybe wasn't what either of you were thinking at the time. <laughs> but by the end of it, you've come out with something that you know. Hopefully, yeah. the best idea the best idea in the room is the best idea in the room. Doesn't matter who said it. And and is that is that the same for you actors? Is, is he quite flexible with you know what you're doing? Well, I think he's similar in, in the sense that he has a very clear vision about the structure. And he was talking today about how he's going to—he's putting us in cages um, because he trains us as well. Metaphorically. Metaphorically, yeah. <laughs> 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 We're not that cruel again. <laughs> and and um, these metaphorical cages that get tighter and tighter, but we have to fight against them more and more so that... We find freedom within the yeah. You've got to fight inside it, and the cage is what well, articulation, uh, blocking, breath, lots of blocking, blocking. yeah, beats, um, beats. It has a very specific way of working, which I think is is all about specificity. Really, you can't really get away with doing random stuff. You have to make mm-hmm. your choices. So he, can, he accepts, I think, every choice as long as is as it's really specific and really really helping the play and the story. He can't really do much with you and with the scene until you've brought loads and loads of your own stuff for him to begin to work into that, the blocking, the mm. the uh, the beats, mm. all of that. And so I think hopefully the result is really, really like, uh, I'm doing a sign with my finger, but <laughs> <laughs> it's really like a, it's like a channel, it's really precise and really specific and really yeah. simple and... 
Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's just, just to finish off as well, because I know you've got to get back to rehearsals and things like that, and you've very kindly given up your, your lunch break. Um, but if you could sum up Mephisto in, in a word or two, what would you say? This wasn't on the questions I sent to you, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just have that out of nowhere. I my paragraph for this Challenging but entertaining. Uh, full of sex and violence, but but also. Well, I'm definitely coming. Not it's, got like, <laughs> it's got lots of debate in it, but it doesn't patronise. Yeah. yeah, I think the most important is that yeah, that those debates and how every character has very valid reason to be on one side or another of the spectrum, mm. and that's that's what makes it really alive and really human. I don't know. It's all about, like Paul was saying, the responsibility of the artist and and choice. But I don't know. It's just everything is so extreme in it. It was such an extreme time, even when it was more left wing, and it continues to be extreme. And uh, the relationships are extreme. The context is extreme. The art they create within the play is extreme. It's really exciting in that way. Great. And Rory and Robbie? From a technical uh, point of view. From a technical point of view. Uh, epic, challenging, uh, complicated, huge. Huge is a big one, yeah. Um, but if it wasn't those things, it wouldn't be half the fun that it is to try and create the uh, solutions to the, the things that crop up. That's half the fun of it. Brilliant. Well, thanks, guys, for so much for coming in today. And uh, I'll let you go off to rehearsals now. And uh, I'll, uh, yeah. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another Guildhall School Events podcast. Mephisto opens on the 19th of October 2015 in the Theatre at Milton Court, and tickets are available from the Barbican Box Office in person, over the phone, and online at gsmd.ac.uk.